Support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Carolina, where healthcare is changing for the better. Find out how at ahealthysc.tv. And by Sunoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. In the world of high finance, private equity has always had an aura of mysterious elite sophistication, almost like a club within a club, where if you were an outsider to banking or finance at all, it even seemed that private equity had their own language. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business and public policy. I am Chris William, and you can almost consider private equity or P.E. as super investors, not only allocating capital to a company or a commercial enterprise, but in many cases taking an active role in oversight, advocacy, and management. So with that kind of commitment investing, how do you see and how do we see the arc of this current economy? And is it materially different from the consumers of retail business and financial news? Well, we will find out in just a moment. Major funding also by Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care when and where you need it. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. And by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, who's responsible for rising health care costs? Join us and many others in a candid discussion at letstalkcost.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Patrick Duncan of Azalea Capital, Brent Burgess of Triangle Capital Corporation, and Richard McLean from Frontier Capital. Hello, welcome to our program. Private equity, uh, not to put you guys, not to make you guys feel uncomfortable, but private equity and finance has always been kind of like the, the, the oracles, the financial oracles. You all see things a little differently. At least that's my point of view. Richard, do you, you know, from some of your colleagues in just straight commercial banking or investment banking or capital management, do you feel like the private equity space gives you a different point of view on things? Uh, I, I do. I mean, we are much more involved with our companies on a kind of quarterly basis, kind of helping them, you know, build out their teams and, you know, adjust their go-to-market strategies and monitoring their bookings and financial performance. And so as, a, as an equity investor in these businesses, we're, uh, we're not just managing sort of like, you know, compliance and debt covenants as a lender. I mean, we are in there. Uh, on sometimes a weekly basis, really working with our teams, kind of getting a view on the ground of sort of what's going on in their market and kind of where those businesses yeah. are headed. Yeah. What, Brent, what about you? How do you look at this? Um, uh, similar to Richard, uh, we're much more involved, I would say. And you, you have to look at it uh, from not just rearview mirror, but you have to be looking out in the windshield. Where do we think this industry is going? Where do we think this company 
how we think it's positioned in the industry. And so it's very, very forward looking. Um, traditional investment banking and, and, and particularly banking is, is much more backward looking. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's the challenge because you know, we're in a very dynamic uh, economy. We're in a very competitive environment. There's not a lot of growth, uh, not a lot of growth in the economy, but there are niches where companies are finding ways to grow. But it seems like it's becoming more challenging to grow. And so as we're, each of us assesses what businesses we want to invest in, we see a lot of opportunities. And that's the biggest challenge is trying to identify what, is the, what are the key competitive advantages that this business has? Uh, what are the barriers to entry in this industry? And does this company have the management team, the products, the strategy to thrive in a very competitive environment? So, so Pat, when you are in, when it's so granular and you are in the mix, as you both so articulately said, you know, when you're down there and you've got a lot of capital invested in this company, mm -hmm. um, a lot of fortune, if you will, riding on this company, do you, and, and you compare and contrast that to the, the the retail business news that's out there. I'm not taking a swipe at CNBC or Fox Business or, any, or CNN or any of those. But when you hear that and then you see what you see, do you say, what? how would you finish this sentence? You know, if 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 folks could see what we see, things would be different in this way. What would be different if folks took a a much longer, thank you, forward-looking view mm -hmm. instead of, well, where, where was this company and how can we benefit if we own it? Well, just adding to what uh, Brent and Richard said, I came from the banking world. And in, the, in banking, you very much look in, in, in the rear view. Um, I had no idea, once we got on the, the private equity side, how much risk companies actually took. Because from a banking standpoint, you're a lender. And all you really want to know is, am I going to get paid back? Right. So you really, now that you're actually on this side of the table, you really understand the, the type of risk these companies take. For us, we are trying to develop a partnership with these companies. We're not trying to run any of these companies. It's to figure out something that's working and help it work better uh, by providing capital, strategy, resources, financial resources, as well as human capital. And regarding the CNBC crowd, um, for us, as the, uh, what you see on TV for us, they are so um, interested in what's happening in the next quarter or the next six months. Um, and for us, we really are interested in what a company's worth on two different days, the day we make an investment and the day we exit the investment. And so we may make some decisions that um, uh, you know, a, a large publicly traded company might not make because they're looking how to manage their earnings for the next quarter, and we don't focus on the next quarter. Mm -hmm. We're trying to take a, develop a strategy and a business plan that's five to seven years out and to grow toward that and, and, and work it in partnership with the management team. So we very much are, are not focused on the, uh, the short term. We're trying to take a long-term view. And so sometimes you have to take a step or two backwards to build a mm -hmm. team, to invest, and your numbers as a result may suffer. Um, because of that, so so where where are you deploying capital? Where I mean, what are the industries now that you know? If you look at the stock market, is it is it just not talking about giving us uh, advice on being a stock market investor? But where would you put? Where would you make a big bet? Yeah, so we at Frontier we're focused on growth companies in the lower middle market. We do a lot of investing in uh, software and tech enabled business services. So we're typically investing where we see that 25 to 30 percent growth in segments of the economy where there's a lot of change and uh, and most recently that has been certainly in the health and benefits cost management side of mm -hmm. things it's been uh, we've seen a a lot of kind of new technology in uh, HR tech and helping companies kind of 
you know, recruit and, and manage and retain their employees more effectively. Uh, we've also been very active in the cybersecurity uh, space. And then just kind of cloud computing in general as companies kind of move infrastructure from on-premise into the cloud for more effective sort of IT mm -hmm. management. Yeah. But those have all been areas which kind of reflect some of what you've seen in the public markets as well in terms of areas that have performed pretty yeah. well. Is this geographic specific? Will you look? Will you look first at the Carolinas, or does that even really matter? Is that a screen? We invest nationally. Uh, we've had some wonderful companies based in the Carolinas, um, but we're also industry agnostic. Uh, but the common denominator is growth. Companies need to be growing at a healthy level, and again, that's increasingly challenging in this environment. So, what is it that they're doing to grow? Why are they growing? What, what are the products or services that they're offering? And are they taking market share? Because mm -hmm. we're, we're in a low growth economy. And so outside of a few uh, niches, if people are growing, it's usually because they're taking market share. And you mm -hmm. say in this economy, Brent, is that because we're closer to a recession than we were? Or is there something different about this economy? Uh, this has uh, statistically been the weakest recovery ever out of a very deep recession. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, I think, but uh, it's it's creating a lot of challenges for a lot of companies. It's uh, again, as I mentioned before, it's an intensely competitive environment, and the the rate of change is very rapid. So one of the reasons why software is a growth industry, mm -hmm. people are rapidly adopting information technology to make their businesses more efficient. If you are unable to successfully make those investments it's very difficult to compete. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, companies are, are, to win out there, you've got to be innovative, you've got to be nimble, and that's one of the reasons why, like Richard and, and Pat, we all focus on what we would call the lower middle market. These are companies typically with, you know, uh, $100 million in revenue or less, maybe as much as $200 million. These are not large companies, but these are the growth engines uh, for the local, regional and national economy. So w extrapolate out the conversations you have with the companies that you own or the organizations that you've looked at, Pat. Extrapolate out and say, well, what we're coming to the conclusion of, you talked a little bit about it, Brent, and you said, in, in your, your opinion of what this uh, economic recovery looks like, but what would you say, what, what would you share about this economy or this recovery based on what you see every day from the sheets and from the conversations you have. Uh, well, to add what uh, what Brent was saying is, we think it's very challenging out there, and one of the things challenging you, to find a place to deploy capital or, or growth going forward. Uh, both, really. Um, there are a tre tremendous number of opportunities to invest, but there's a big difference between an investment opportunity and a good investment opportunity. And I'm sure these guys here are very selective, and uh, we probably look at a couple of hundred transactions or potential transactions before we actually do one. So we're very, very selective. We have very high screens. Uh, you mentioned about geography. For us, we tend to focus on having the headquarters of the company located in the southeast mm -hmm. because we're very much a partner with these companies. And we define the southeast as kind of from the Maryland uh, area, Maryland, Virginia area, to eastern Texas down to Florida. So we want the headquarters company uh, to be located there, but we will actually also invest um, in other parts of the country with add-on investments. Um, but some of the challenges in the economy is one of the things that's driven us in the last four or five years to shift our investment focus and to refine it more. And we really are focused on three primary areas. 
um, and it came out of the last uh, the downturn that we really are not out of yet. And we're we're probably not smart enough to do what Rich and his team do on the software side. That's just not our expertise. Um, but what we try to focus on are areas where people are going to have to spend money. Mm -hmm. And for us, it comes down to three different buckets. One is energy and industrial services, which for us is primary power generation. People have to have the electricity on to operate their businesses. Um, in good times and bad times, the electricity has to be on. There's a tremendous amount of infrastructure that's been put in place with the public utilities. And so we have a concerted investment effort. We have three companies in the space right now to service the infrastructure of power generating companies. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece. The second piece is food and consumer products. In good times and bad times, people are gonna have to eat. And so food is one area that we really like a lot, but tangential to that is also the pet food space. We saw in the last downturn, um, it's, it's kind of crazy, but we saw in the last downturn that people, uh, they have to eat, but particularly older people in general, a lot of them actually fed their pets before they actually feed themselves and actually cut back on the, the type of food they would buy to take care of their pets, to buy pet food, pet treats. And so that's a space that we really are interested in because it's also a growth space. And so that's one, another area. Mm -hmm. And the final area is the aerospace industry, um, which is both here um, in the U.S. as well as overseas. Um, it's a very large infrastructure that has to be serviced and maintained. So we are invested in aerospace with companies that service the airlines, provide different services to them. Because again, in good times and bad times, people tend to have to fly uh, to conduct their business. You know, you, you all speak so articulately in your academic and your clinicians and your scientists, financial scientists. When you hear the dialogue, when you read the headlines about North Carolina's House Bill 2 or uh, some, uh, some restrictive uh, uh, immigration issues that go on in South Carolina. I mean, you t take your pick. Does that even, does that bother you at all? Is that even a, a concern uh, when it comes to how you vet your companies? Or is this social, this is social noise and, you know, this is not really going to matter to what we're doing long term? I, I tend to believe it doesn't really matter. I don't know about long term, but it certainly doesn't inf affect investment decisions today. Um, you know, we've, uh, in the tech and software space, we've, we, we had a great year last year in terms of growth and our companies all had really strong first quarter bookings this year as well. Yeah. And so that, that sector of the economy seems to be like, you know, chugging along like pretty nicely. Uh, I think we're more concerned about uncertainty like in the capital markets. And, you know, as we saw that kind of late last year, kind of going into the end of the year in the first quarter, you know, it takes a while, but but the stock market definitely drives private equity trends, and it's nice. We don't have to mark to market our companies on a daily basis, but we do on a quarterly basis, and it and it takes a while. But if you have a lot of volatility and you have big declines in the stock market, that will generally kind of work its way back, and that uncertainty will work its way back mm -hmm. into the lower middle market and private equity. And I think that's what. You know, I probably worry about a little bit more right now is just sort of the, you know, the, the market and whether it's going to continue to kind of just stabilize and continue to, you know. Yeah, so, Brent, let me ask you this question. So, uh, TCAP, Triangle Capital, headquartered obviously in the Triangle of North Carolina. And North Carolina's taken a lot of heat from companies that say, you know, PayPal was one. We're just not going to relocate. Do those kind of headlines, are those unsettling you for all, not from the socials? You know, I don't even want to get into the politics of it. But when you look at it and you see that North Carolina could take a big, big hit in economic development, does that kind of thing spread out to some of the companies that you possibly keep looking at to, to invest in? It could. I, I think that's one of the differences, though, between the smaller businesses we invest in and the larger companies. I think larger companies are very vulnerable now 
to uh, political campaigns, to political activism. They're, they're, in my opinion, doing things that are not really in their best interests. But, but that's because they have a big target on their back mm -hmm. as high-profile public companies. The larger thing that worries me, Chris, and I think, I think my colleagues would share this concern, is regulatory overreach in general. I mean, back to why is this a slow-growth economy? I would argue it's because uh, the, the regulatory uh, environment is not a business-friendly environment. Now, that is relative. You know, th there's differences nationally. I think South Carolina and North Carolina are better states to do business in than a lot of other states. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, uh, we have a number of investments in California. Uh, and there's a lot of wonderful things about California, and there's some fantastic industries there. But there are some incredibly challenging regulatory aspects of doing business in California. Mm. And uh, whether it be courts and, and how uh, certain, certain issues like uh, employment. Is, is this a 1099 contractor or is this an employee? And lawsuits mm. related to that. And the way those lawsuits are handled. Um, and, and so that, that would be my biggest concern uh, is uh, and again, I, I think we've we've seen obviously in North Carolina uh, uh, more of a of a push to be more competitive with some other uh, southeastern yeah. states, and I think that's generally been a positive. Where there's there's been a little bit of a, a lessening of regulation and a little bit lower taxes, but obviously mm -hmm. that's very very controversial. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I want I want to ask you about this, Pat. Before we do, next week on the program, his name is Hayne Hip. Uh, some of you in South Carolina may know him. Hain was the CEO of Liberty Corp. That is now the Liberty Fellowship. It is basically a, a leadership development group of the highest kind. And Hain Hip will be on this set to talk to us about what they're doing for the next generation of leaders, at least in the Palmetto State. Pat, we'll keep this thing going. Does, does it, so you mentioned a little bit about lawsuits. This is not really tort reform. This is more about policy and legislative uh, headwind. Mm -hmm. Um, do you find that South Carolina, that North Carolina, that the Carolinas are still business friendly in that way? That, uh, it, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that, is it easier, is it going to continue to be easy to do business relative to federal statutes, federal oversight, and other states like California? Um, as, as, as Brent said, I think North Carolina and South Carolina both are, are business-friendly states regarding um, all aspects, not only the taxation, uh, the labor laws, um, the, the tort reforms um, that are out there. But again, as Brent said, when they're looking at a transaction, um, for us, we're primarily agnostic. We don't care if the company is in South Carolina or North Carolina. We're looking at broadly across the, uh, the footprint of the Southeast. And um, so it really doesn't, is not something that really factors much into our, um, into our analysis of saying, okay, we've got to be very careful because this is in South Carolina or because this is in Florida. It really doesn't weigh very heavily into that because most of the companies that we are investing in have already been in business in that state for quite some time. So, for instance, if we invested in a company in the state of Florida, they already have the infrastructure and they already have the legal relationships and they're set up in such a way to deal with whatever issues that may be state-specific for them or the same thing if it's Texas or if it's Louisiana. They've already been in business for quite some time. So we're not having to come in from scratch and to start working or worrying about their, the, mm -hmm. the political environment or the, the legal environment because they already have some infrastructure in place. And most times these companies have been in business for many, many years. So it's not something, again, that we really put that much emphasis or focus on. Would the th Richard, though, would there, would there be an increased scrutiny uh, by the SEC? And I know private equity, 
I don't want to say it this way, but gets around the SEC because you buy private equity and not public debt or public equity. In some cases you do, but uh, it, could there be increased federal oversight that could cause another level of cost and oversight that could for, be a problem? For private equity or for our companies? For private equity and your companies. This is, is yeah. this a headwind? We so we're already regulated by the SEC. Right. So uh, does it make, so we, let me ask a follow-up, and I'm sorry to cut you off, right. does it make it harder to do business and more expensive? Of course. I mean, I, I don't know about harder to do business, but it certainly makes it more expensive. I mean, so we have, um, and I think the, the private equity industry has matured a, a great deal over the last kind of six or seven years really? where you've got, yeah, you've got, now you've got overview, oversight by the SEC. Uh, you know, we manage money for a lot of large state pension funds, and they are very sophisticated, demanding investors when it comes to transparency and reporting and alignment and legal agreements. And so we do have to have a much, uh, you know, more staffed back office to deal with that than we did five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. what, what, we got about five minutes left. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. And Rachel, I'll start with you. What do you, you know, we're talking a lot around issues around the economy, around private yeah. equity. But what do you worry most about for your business and for the, the climate that we're in? Right. So uh, uncertainty. Uh, you know, the that that really global, uh, domestic? global domestic. I mean, when uncertainty. I think over the years I found that's kind of like the number one uh, fear factor that can really lock up an economy or you know freeze decisions about spending and making investments to kind of grow a business. And that could be uncertainty around security, it can be uncertainty around tax law, it can be uncertainty around political sort of issues, but you know, we, I, I worry about uncertainty a lot more than I do about uh, an overhang of capital or too much money chasing too few opportunities. I mean, it is a, a competitive world out there, but you know, we, we, you find ways to compete, and it's, it's, today our business is not just about bringing capital to the table. You have to have a repeatable way to add value to these companies that we invest in, and it's made us really kind of raise our game to kind of develop that playbook. Uh, but I would say it's uh, it's uncertainty uh, as it relates to you know capital markets mm -hmm. or uh, you know political or regulatory issues. I, I would agree, and the, the the flip side of uncertainty is confidence. Yeah, you know, do businesses have the confidence to invest? Do business owners have the confidence to invest? Mm -hmm. And you mean that, re reinvest in the company? Yeah, and to grow those businesses. Back to Pat was making the point about the, the amount of yeah. risk right. that companies have to take. Um, you know, a lot of the businesses that we invest in, um, you know, were started as family-owned businesses, and then they're transitioning, um, and th they've they've had to take a lot of risk historically. Part of what's enabled them to do that is their confidence in the stability of the system, the stability of the regulatory environment, the stability of the tax system, the stability of the legal environment. That's th there's a lot of uncertainty. And that's, that's hampered confidence, and I would argue, again, that's one of the big factors that's holding this economy back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the health care legislation, for example, a lot, a lot of companies, that, that's had a tremendous uh, cost and burden. Uh, you know, w w there's a lot of challenges with the health care system in this country. Yeah. There's no question about it. Um, you know, the, the question is, how do those challenges get addressed and solved? Is it, is it regulatory fiat? that kind of says this is what you have to do and uh, you know and very complex rules and regulations that's what we've seen in Dodd-Frank 
Um, and, and that's what we've seen with the Affordable Care Act and other forms of legislation that have been issued more recently. So I think yeah. those are, again, the, 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 I think what you're seeing, even consumer confidence, we're, we're seven and a half years into a recovery. Consumer confidence is still at historically quite low levels. And, and let, let, Pat, you got 30 seconds because we've got to wrap it. I'm sorry, that's not a fair question to ask you all. Oh, by the way, you got 30 <laughs> seconds. But literally, wh what are you most concerned about? Um, gosh, in 30 seconds, that's quick. And I, now I, it's 15. I, 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 I don't <laughs> know what these guys, I think for us, it's really just um, continue to have an, an environment of confidence where you can know what yeah. to expect when you're dealing with these companies and uh, to be able to find good partners and good executives to partner with to help us lead these companies. That's the big thing for us. You know, so. you're, you're a good sport, Pat, for trying to shoehorn that answer. <laughs> uh, would like to have you guys back and talk more about this confidence factor and stability in markets. I think you, you're exactly right. Not, not that you need me to write off on that, but gentlemen, thank you. Thank for you. Joining us. Richard, good to see you again. Good Brent, you. welcome. Appreciate it. Thank Pat, you. nice to have you from the thank upstate. You uh, thank you for watching our program. If you have any questions or comments, and we hope you will, carolinabusinessreview.org. Until next week, I'm Chris Wooden. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review was provided by the Duke Endowment a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. Who's responsible for rising health care costs? Join us and many others in a candid discussion at letstalkcost.com. Grant Thornton, operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care when and where you need it. Sunoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Carolina, where healthcare is changing for the better. Find out how at ahealthysc.tv and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.